Breakfast Podcast isn't really sponsored by Tuckerman Brewery, but we just happen to have their newest release, the Double Fall Line Rye Double mm. IPA in hand. So um, good. Cheers, Pierre. Cheers. Pierre's the guest, obviously. Uh, now, it's if you haven't had a chance, go visit Tuckerman Brewing down in Conway. They've always got new releases, something seasonal. We're hoping to collaborate with them later this winter, and that's something we'll chat about in this podcast. I want to introduce our guest, Pierre Pinoy. I don't know. I, I want to get in your name later, <laughs> but Pierre's been... Um, I was introduced to Pierre as an athlete. He's on the running side of things. He got into trail running a few years ago, several years ago. He was always at the Kismet Cliff Race and the Shikoroa Mountain Race, maybe a couple other races in the mix. He um, comes from a cycling background, Nordic skiing, and has added trail running um, to his resume. More recently, he joined me in in building out the coffee, our newest venture, Ski the Whites Coffee Company, and really cool how that all transpired. But welcome, Pierre. Thanks. Wow, I said it. That was a that was a great introduction. That was a, that was a short introduction. I think um, there's a lot to talk about. Your background, first of all, yeah. Let's go into your name. How, how did you get your, your full name? Pierre Pierre Pont is my full name. So. Uh, it's a old old family name, but I go by Pierre, um, like Pier One Imports or like a dock. <laughs> and your brother's name is Chase. My brother's name is Chase. Yep, yep. So, so you got the fancy old. name. Yeah, exactly. I got the the high class name. He got the 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 the. It's a great name, but no. But your family <laughs> is from where? Uh, so well, I grew up um originally north shore massachusetts well for the first couple years of my life and then grew up my family moved in 1999 2000 up to uh the peterborough region the monadnock region of new hampshire and had bought a little dairy farm and grew up on that and we had chickens and cows and then and then um skied a lot and uh then i went out to university of colorado and that's kind of actually where i got into coffee as well so it all kind of Goes back to Boulder, Colorado, but um, yeah. And here you are. And here I am. <laughs> that, was, that was very brief. Um, just quickly, like your cycling background is sort of like that was your the pinnacle. So, like I guess how you used to define yourself. Yeah. As yeah. An absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as you as you had said initially, trail running is a pretty new um, addition into my. Uh, into kind of my hobbies or what I enjoy doing. Um, but it really spawned from, from cycling. Um, I grew up doing a, a little bit of biking, but always focused on, on skiing. And then, um, kind of as college progressed, I, I just through social networks really was living with some cyclists and was connected with them. And they said, you know, you should give this a shot. And so I started biking and kind of climbed up through the ranks and into kind of, the P one, two races, and then did a little bit and, um, yeah, just kind of wanted to see how far I could take it. Um, so it was fun to do some stage races and get to race with some, uh, some pretty legit cyclists out there. Um, and yeah, just, it was a great sport to kind of travel on and travel around. And then, um, that I hit the glass ceiling eventually. And then, um, went to went to grad school (laughs) in Sweden and um but I 
had always kind of been interested in coffee and that I'd gotten into it while I was bike racing a lot. But um, then when I was in Sweden, I was kind of even more interested in kind of how what they were doing over there and was kind of befriended a couple of roasters in that part of the world. And, um, and then, yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, just there was my life and then coffee and they were always kind of in tandem. Um, but I knew I wanted to work in coffee eventually, but I just didn't know how exactly how to get into it. Um, it always kind of just been a side passion or a job, you know, working as a barista to kind of pay bills or whatnot while I was cycling. But, um, then when I was connected with you, when, what was it? Evan's notch. <laughs> this point to point run, running from <laughs> parking the truck somewhere and bring it back to the shop. It was a little goal. I had this, the summer and discovering new routes to get back to Jackson. And the very first one was Evans notch to Jackson via the Broyces and bald faces dropping down, going around double head. It was like 24 miles. Um, and some reason we, I don't know we connected over, we connected to do it blurry. Why? But Pierre was up for it. He was around this summer and, um, it's always fun to do these link ups with people that are just as passionate and want to do something fun. And so we did, we did that and it was, it wasn't long into the run. We started talking about coffee and the plans and what we had, what, what I was envisioning here at ski, the whites and, um, Pierre also had these visions. He'd come and seen the shop up at black and we were just running along. And I was like, well, talking about business stuff, how I was going to get a loan for a commercial coffee roaster. I was dead set. I didn't know what the plan was, but I was like, step one, I'm going to get the commercial coffee roaster. And for those that don't know, and this, this conversation is going to go back and forth. I think there's a lot of overlap between, yeah, I've, I've been jumping around a little bit between sorry. like athlete, you know, the athletic community, mountain running, biking, skiing and coffee and the coffee culture and why we're doing what we're doing. And this is a cool little promo for the side business, which is really, it's going to be its own thing and it already is, but it's under the umbrella of ski the whites. And so how we got there, but my background with coffee was, I got really into coffee back in 2000. Um, I'd say 2010. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what year it was, but I was working on a boat with another guy who got really into coffee and he pointed me on the path of, of, all right, let's like, let's go French press. Let's set the timer for five minutes. Let's get the ratios right. And then he said, we can isolate all the variables to really taste the bean evenly against other varieties of bean. And then learning about other varieties, we started buying different, different beans from different regions. And these were already pre-roasted. And then subsequently this guy I kept in contact with, um, coffee, his email handle back then was coffee cup man, which is crazy. Uh, but he started home roasting green beans and I didn't really realize you could do that. And they started doing them on the boats where he'd bring, I don't know if you do it in the kitchen on a, a saucepan or what his, he ended up buying a home roaster, like this little oven top roaster. And I thought he was crazy. I was like, what are you like? That's the next level. I'm not that, I'm not that much of a fanatic about coffee, but it wasn't long after that I was curious about it and bought my own green beans, which is really easy to do. The age of the internet where you can order something from a wholesaler, just little quantities. And 
started home roasting without really knowing what to do. I bought that countertop roaster. Looks like a toaster oven, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's a drum inside a, a countertop oven. The Be More, it's the it's the tried and true. It it does it it's doesn't give you much control, at least the version that I had, or I didn't really know how to use it that well. And you can only do small quantities. But I would do it here I would do it wherever I was and um, I got really in, I thought it was fun. You know, the thing about fresh coffee is that as long as you don't underdevelop it, it's still green or if it's, you burn it and it's black, it's going to be somewhere in the spectrum and it's going to be better than most of the coffee out there. And that was the one thing I learned. And so I really had this appreciation for coffee and, um, I've been roasting. So I've been roasting since then, since like I would say 2013, I caved in and bought that roaster. And when we got this space here, in Jackson, the gallery, there was, you know, it's 10,000 square feet and I'm renting off some of it. Hillary's now got a clinic upstairs and we've got the ski shop, but we had space downstairs that I thought would be ideal for this coffee roaster. Had a approved, I was approved for a loan um, to get one. And it was just a matter of picking one out, but also just making sure that I could handle taking on the work of this whole side business, this roasting business. And that's exactly where Pierre came in. And so on this run, you can take it from here. Like what, what was your, what was your idea? Like when you heard me mention, oh yeah, I'm going to get a, it wasn't like, I want to get a coffee roaster. It was, I'm going to get a coffee roaster. Yeah. I mean, it it was, it was crazy because I think, as you had said earlier, I mean, we had, I think we had crossed paths in social networks or through really just through running or skiing or whatnot. But when we were on this run, it was, I think it was one of the first times where we actually were able to kind of talk at length and kind of, you know, see what we were interested in outside of our athletic pursuits. And when you had said coffee, it was just kind of this like kick, like, oh my God, wow, that's, that's, yeah, this is, and then when you said you were going to buy a roaster, it was just like, oh my God. <laughs> and so it was, um, it was, it was really, yeah, it was really cool. And as I had said, I mean, as I had said earlier that, you know, coffee had been in tandem with my life, whether it was with cycling or I, when I finished grad school, I moved to Portland, Portland, Maine, and I was working there at desk job and it was great and it was fun. But, um, it was, I, as I said, I just, I knew that coffee was going to come back into my life at some point. So when, yeah, May running through Evans Notch and we started talking coffee, I thought, okay, this is, this is a good, this is good. I like this. Um, and I was at a point in my life where I could get back into and kind of pursue this as well. So, so, and my coffee experience, I mean, also going back, you know, I had similar home roasting experience, not, I think Andrew's was a lot more at length than mine. Mine was kind of a perforated pan in an oven. My mom getting pretty upset with coffee chafe in the oven for the next week and a half. It's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. So I don't know if I a hundred percent recommend it doing it in the oven, but it works. It's pretty simple process, <laughs> but, um, then yeah. So I think it was, uh, it was, a, it was a fun, fun experience to kind of get this commercial machine and kind of take what I had learned, um, a lot of the customer facing side of things. So, um, as I said earlier, as a barista, a little bit of production that I had out in Boulder for anyone who's familiar, the brewing market can do a little shout out to them, but, um, it was, you know, it was just to kind of work on this machine that Andrew had got was just really a game changer and to be able to 
kind of really dial in the roast and really um, kind of uh, just the kind of the creative freedom that that comes with it was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, talk about the barista life and how that because this whole new wave. The th- they call it the third wave of coffee beyond Folgers, beyond Starbucks. And now you've got these coffee shops popping up that are serving single origin coffee. I was out in Oakland, California, visiting Hillary all the time. And I was watching Blue Bottle really just take off in 2009. And um, and all these other Stumptown or Stumpt- whatever that brand is. And out there um, getting a taste. It's different. It was different coffee. And it really struck me as intriguing it wasn't necessarily for me all the time it seemed like some I couldn't figure it out there wasn't like a guy to tell me necessarily like this is what you want out of your coffee beans but you slowly taste a little bit of everything on the spectrum what um what did you gravitate towards and what like what brewing styles really intrigued you I mean I think as a barista you do a lot of espresso but yeah yeah I think um uh, another little side story. My my parents always. I grew up with an espresso machine at my house, and my parents. Everyone actually in my family. I think I'm the only one that drinks drip coffee, which is hilarious. Everyone drinks espresso in our family. Even my grandmother, who pulls shots of decaf Colombian espresso that that we that we roast here now. She's we've converted her over. She was a she yeah. But um uh. So, you know, gr- working with the espresso machine is it's just a little Breville machine that they had and um, then kind of playing around with that and then working as a barista. I, I think, you know, uh, always kind of figuring out efficiency and how to improve efficiency, I think, when you're working, especially at, in a high volume cafe has something is something that I've always thought about, but also, you know, maintaining quality. But um but then, yeah, I think pour over was something that I really enjoyed doing as well and being able to balance kind of using the same roast and pulling a shot of espresso and then doing a pour over, which are such different brewing methods, but really kind of seeing the different flavors between the two beans. Um, and we're super for I mean, now we can do that here too. And so I, I really enjoy... Um, kind of how the brewing how you as you had said earlier all these different variables and then how those variables affect the taste that we get um and espresso is something that's really it's a really delicate process it can be super tricky and the grinder can be finicky and it takes you know so many different things have to line up to get that really good shot where you're doing you know 20 grams in 40 grams out within 27 to 30 seconds blah 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 blah. it just um but once it all lines up it's it's amazing and i think the same can be true with pour over um but it's neat to see where those tastes go and where those flavors go and how our taste buds react to them so that's that's why i think you're the perfect the complimentary partner in that i'm like i get to a point where i'm satisfied good enough (laughs) i'll deal with it but pierre's there with the scale trying to get repeatability and really dial things in, which is great because that's what you need in the coffee business or else you're going to have the, all these inconsistencies across the board between roasts, between shots. And it makes all the, it makes all the difference. And that's the fun thing about having the starting this up is the progress along the way. And we've 
you know, we started out just, I guess, like, trying to figure out where we should start this out should we talk about the roaster fire first or should we talk about <laughs> like so many so many places yeah well like what start. beans do we what beans do we order at first and why do we pick those beans i mean you can go to the website ski the whites.com we we're pushing coffee now because it's it's a pretty universally loved beverage that you know we're drinking beer right now but in the morning it's something that i just look forward to it's a time that you associate with getting the day going or just personal time something to look forward to to get you excited for the day and it's like i have this whole morning routine of coffee i mean it's bad it's almost a problem now because it's so accessible but throughout the morning having different types of coffee different brew methods and it's been really fun because now we know exactly who's roasting it and how it was roasted and what we should be looking for and what we can improve and it's been it started off rough to a certain degree like we had a very crude roasting style and it's like slowly progressed the more time Pierre spends on the machine while I've been stuck up here doing the ski stuff but it's been really neat to see how these little changes in the roast profile can affect the overall taste of the bean of the coffee and then on top of that learning how to blend and everything else yeah but it is let's I mean it is worthwhile letting everyone know that mistakes happen it's not nothing happens nothing's perfectly nothing goes perfect and when we got this roaster part of it was buy you know buy some beans that you're willing to you're gonna you're gonna go through some beans you're gonna sacrifice beans that you're not gonna drink because you're gonna season the roaster you're gonna work out if there was any metal shavings or something in the roaster sort of coat the drum in some oil and really familiar yourself with the limits of the machine and I'll just start it, but I'll let Pierre take over where we set up a time to talk with the roast, the, the manufacturer of the roaster. Um, I won't mention them, but they're great people. They've been super helpful, but this, this was kind of a disaster how this all went down. But, um, we had, we'd actually gotten the hookup cause this was an involved process. This is a 850 pound unit. When you add on this chaff collector, you've got to get it off the, the pallet off the pallet from the truck they just dropped in the driveway we have a dirt driveway trying to get it in to the basement so we had monty here with some of these like nordic ski people from the u.s nordic team just happened to be here mountain biking jake was here I and think they, jake still gives me a hard time for missing that one day <laughs> and i was uh, i was busy i was busy air quotes doing something else but I, I was able to shoot some video of them doing this like egyptian pull of, of just maneuvering they they, they put some like logs through the pallet and some lashing straps and were able to move it all the way in to the point where you could wheel it off the pallet into the basement super impressive i appreciate that thank you guys but then the other things with these roasters like we had to get electricity hooked up it's um one of those funky looking 220 volt outlets dana amadon came up friend hooked me up with that and then we had um had to get it vented out and it came with this venting kit but it needed to get exhausted out of the building so then our friends at white mountain stove company came by ian and silas and they drilled through the concrete in this huge hole to vent it out and basically put a chimney out and we had to have a gas line put in for propane so we have a a tank dedicated for the roaster um and we still need some venting work but it was just a lot to get going it wasn't like turnkey ready 
but anyway, so back to this, back to this tutorial video, Skype call with the roasting company. We're all excited. We're like professing how little we know about it, but we did play with the machine the night before and we did a couple roasts, but we were all excited about because at the very rudimentary level, we went through all these development phases of the bean and we're like, yes, we did it. But let's go let's go through with the company because they're going to teach us what all these dials and stuff really do and and learn some techniques that maybe we don't know about plus it's just like it's a free free advice you never know what you're yeah. going to learn yeah so I, I think i was maybe like 20 minutes late to this conference call i show up and things are things are good everything's looking great on the machine all the you know all the everything all the numbers all the heat it's charged me or it's warmed up and it's good to go and andrew's there with the, the person on the skype it's on the facetime and showing him and so we we start we start going we do the season roast and as andrew had said earlier it's really just using a a bean usually on the well you would use a, a lower quality bean and you would um yeah stretch the roast as long as possible and kind of um not burn it, but you're, you know, trying to get it dark, dark, dark. So all those oils seep into the drum and you can kind of see where the machine you can calibrate the RPMs on the drum. You can just kind of get a base level for all the temperature probes and all the readings that you'll be taking as you continue your roasting, the journey of roasting. So, so we, <laughs> we get started and we pour the, the beans in the hopper and we open the door and we're off and we're running and usually roast will take I don't know anywhere you could do a light roast in like nine to ten minutes it's it, it depends it there's so many variables but you could you know dark roast 14 minutes or so um again on average there's so many variables but um this one we are going to take pretty far and so we uh we start we start and you know it's turning and everything's looking good and we start seeing the temperatures jumping a little bit faster than what we thought was normal. And so, well, we're playing this game with a little, tr it's called the trier, which is a, a, a little catch, little bean catcher that you pull out to see the beans. You're using your sensory. So you're using your sight, you're listening, you're smelling, and you're trying to see notes that indicate different development phases and, and just kind of, enjoy the process but the guy on the other end was making a game out of this like we're gonna see how fast we can pull five the, seconds pull the trier <laughs> out smell it put it back in without spilling as many beans and like keep doing that and as we're doing that all of a sudden it's like first crack and we're this isn't we're like two minutes into it we're barely into it and yeah, way 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 too quick <laughs> and we're like wait a minute what, what's up with this like and he's like okay and go over to this look at this you know show me the panel right yeah, yeah. Well, and he had kind of given us the where we should have our airspeed, where we should have our gas in terms of where it should be reading on the, you know, the gas pressure and so we we <laughs> we we look it always almost all seems like a blur when I try to retell the story, but we basically I look up and <clears throat> after kind of seeing things really taking off and and he's he kind of was kept saying no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then I turn to Andrew and, and I say the hopper was left open and that was 100% my fault. And it's meaning that more air is getting into the drum than normal. And we we relayed that over the FaceTime call to this to this individual. And he said, no, that shouldn't be an issue. But we immediately closed the hopper. 
and things are kind of going off the chart at this point it's like we're we're getting hot we're at like 450 degrees and that I've I've very rarely hit 450 since then and I think we were even going up to like 470 and so for look, just for reference 450 there's an auto shut off so the ignition yeah. shuts off exactly but we're still climbing um the the ignition had shut off but the basically what happens is the beans um they begin to hold thermal you know heat they they're they're heated in the drum and they just continue to hold more and more heat and the drum just continues to heat and everything kind of goes a little bit wonky I don't know what happened basically at that point, but it, it came to the point where the guy in the FaceTime said, you should get some water. And we started having a lot of smoke and smoke was coming out of the hopper. Smoke was coming out of the side of the drum. And so I run, we had a spray bottle because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we, we want to be safe down there. So we have a fire extinguisher and we have a, a Mr. Spray bottle and you know, that we can spray in. But, um, we we really got to use it this time and so smoke it got so bad that smoke was you you could hold your hand maybe a couple inches off your face but you couldn't see your hand it was it was it was it was thick and smoke's coming out of the windows it's coming out of the doors and if you've come in and seen our roaster down below you'll know you'll see that it's on the it's on the kind of basement level but there's a door that goes out the back and um and then you know the basically the smoke had come up the stairs into the retail space and Jake who was working upstairs said that people I guess were pulling over on the side of 16 and trying to call 911 and he was having to basically calm nerves and tell people it's fine it's fine and I just remember as we're kind of dumping water down this the hopper into the barrel trying to you know contain and what you don't want is you don't want the beans to ignite themselves you know, more than what they're, you, you, you don't want a drum fire, which we had a drum fire, but we don't want a big drum fire. So we're trying to control the drum fire. And so we're pouring water and I look out the door and Thompson house, the restaurant next to us, they were building, um, or they are building some, some really fabulous looking greenhouses. And they had all these people up there you know, working on the greenhouses. And I just remember looking across and seeing people sprinting across the little lawn patch between Thompson house and here. And uh, one guy comes in and says, Oh, I'm with the Jackson fire department. What do we need? And I think you and I both turned to each other and said, we don't, we don't need anything. We're fine. Everything's under control. And, and, uh, but you know, clearly it was, it was out of control, but, um, we, we, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we managed the, to kind of you know weather the storm oh i think i think the best part too was the guy on the facetime who's the 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 leader the teacher he halfway through says oh i got another call i gotta go and <laughs> we weren't able to get a hold of him again as this kind of fire is raging within our roaster but it was cool because i think we both realized we we both stayed very calm the entire time i think there were a lot of points where we could have really lost it or pulled the fire extinguisher and ruined the the roaster and all the beans and whatnot but i think we were we were able to kind of just sail through it and um we put the fire out and you know there was a lot of smoke and there was a lot of I think we were smelling it and tasting it in our coffee for like a solid week after that. But oh, all the people on Patreon that really <laughs> like those the smoky uh, 
yeah, the essence on some of those first batches, well, you can't really get that anymore. That was a limited edition. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have No, it. <laughs> it, it was a great learning experience. I'd rather have not, it had not happened, and we were just like, go on as business as usual. It was good. The guy on the other end was super calm, and I don't, I don't really, I don't have to think about, he's like, well, at least... I didn't, you didn't burn your face off with a propane gas explosion or something. I was like, like he did. And I was like, well, that's not good either. You shouldn't really reach that point. But to Pierre's point, like we just listened to him and he was calm, which made us calm. And I was like, well, it's not like smoke's one thing, whatever. We'll, we'll vent that. We'll get that out of here at some point. As long as the roaster's okay. And as long as we can like continue moving forward, with a few steps back, we're going to figure this out. And this is just a, a teaching moment. Um, and we'll move on. But it's like a mo moments like that, that are a cool little story on this, the machine and how we got to where we are and that everything's going to be an improvement. Um, and that like, don't sweat the small stuff and the big picture. Like, yes, we had to like use more beans to scrub out the, the char, the creosote and charcoal in the drum. And it, um, it wasn't until like that night that we realized, Hey, and this is Monty's idea that maybe they, you know, and I had a debrief with the guy. I had to like follow up and get him to call on Monday, but I was pretty upset because I'm like, listen, this was like, this was a big deal. We had a fire in the roaster. It was like dripping fire beans out of the, the drum that we're getting through and <laughs> onto like tray. the, where the, the cooling, like not on the tray, but like underneath the flames, there was fire in the chaff collector that we had to like pour water into that. And then there was like two feet of smoke in the drop ceiling, like just sitting there and it got everywhere in the basement and it was obnoxious. There was a bitter, acrid smoke smell throughout the shop. Like no one wants that. And you're like uncertain, is this going to disappear? Like how long is this going to stay here? Because this isn't what the roaster should smell like. It should be like, you know, like hay burning and like, but like in a good way. And like this <laughs> light smelling of like, you don't really get coffee when you roast. It's it's different smells, but. Yeah. Um, like a bready kind of smell. Yes. But not, not a burnt fire It's a happy smell. smoke, not a not this <laughs> exactly. dirty fire smoke. And. What did um, Jake say? He could smell it on his bike ride. Well, like, no, when we roast, like Jay could smell it by the Wentworth, which is a quarter mile down the road, which is great. Yeah. Like, which you is, know, yeah. It's the, whatever way the, the, so, the wind's I mean, blowing. It's, it's, it's smell. I think the whole, at least this side of Jackson knew that night we had a roaster. Yeah. <laughs> we made a splash with that. but um, And just like quickly wrapping the, the roaster fire up. But it was like we were running on um, propane, not natural gas. And so propane at like the same pressure is going to run way hotter than natural gas. And they said, you know, they like, we just run at 70% of your max pressure, which is going to run really hot for propane. It's going to run hot for natural gas, but it didn't really leave us much room for error for correct course correction. So if we, our drum speed was off or there's increased airflow, whatever, it doesn't, it's really no excuse. So anyways, that's, we've learned, we've moved on, we've roasted. Um, some mediocre, f decent coffee, as I mentioned before, fresh coffee is fresh coffee, but it's been really fun fine tuning it along the way. And so now here we are m like months later, right? Yeah. It feels like yeah. months later and 700, 700 pounds of coffee almost later. It's crazy. That's the craziest yeah. part is that we ordered all these beans, all these bags of beans and 
and we're almost through them. We're on, we're on to our second order, which is also just, it feels good. Like, cause when we got the roaster, we had this mentality of, oh, we just need to move X amount of beans, X amount of X pounds per week to pay for the roaster. And it's, it's all funny theory on paper. What does this look like? You have no idea. You have no idea if your customers are going to like it, if you're going to be able to sell a lot, if it's, you know, you're gonna have these, be- like hang on these beans forever. But here we are like, right. Oh, squall. Doggy dreams Doggy. in the background. <laughs> um, he's dreaming about that roaster fire, <laughs> but yeah. What are some of the things that like, I guess the listeners should know about the coffee, the process of roasting that you've learned along the way. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, every, every bean is, is so different. Um, and, ro- and, you know, ro- roast differently. And, um, I think, and even probably every batch that we receive, even if it's the same bean, we'll probably have different nuances or, you know, different variables that need to be tweaked. <clears throat> um, so I think, I think the biggest takeaway that I've kind of really learned and, you know, again, my, my roasting experience, I've had roasting experience, but it's been, it's been very limited. I've never kind of driven the ship. I've never kind of been down there doing it, you know, being able to kind of adjust them, you know, and, and, and as at will and really kind of having that creative freedom, which has been just amazing. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the, the biggest takeaway would just be that every batch is different and I'm always looking kind of to how to tweak it a little bit more and how to get that. I think, you know, we strive for perfection, but we'll never reach perfection, but we can, we can, we can, there's always room for improvement. And so I think, um, you know, each batch I like to kind of keep, maintain a certain standard because I know that the coffee drinker or the, you know, the customer gets used to a certain taste, but I also like to tweak things. And I, you know, if one batch tastes a little bit differently than, than the next, I think that's something that is probably normal, but also, you know, definitely would love to hear, um, because I'm only one person or we're two people, Andrew and I, and we, we cup pretty much actually everything that we roast. Um, and so we cup meaning we do like a quality control. We, um, there's a whole process. It's, it's quite involved, but meaning we do quick kind of steeps of each coffee that we roast and then we drink it. Um, and I've actually started kind of spitting it out because the cupping days you get just so much caffeine. It's insane. I, it's yeah, <laughs> it can be bad. So I, I will taste it and then I'll kind of spit it out, unfortunately. But, um, but it's a, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, we, we kind of, as I said, we, we want the space, but we also want to create, um, a bean that is, yeah, just, just shows the customer that there is, um, kind of different variables that affect how it tastes and, and, uh, every, every batch is different, but, um, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really great. You guys. Yeah, definitely roast alongs. <laughs> That's been fun. It's been fun on our end to share this, this little passion project with, with customers, because you can come downstairs and see the roaster. And if Pierre's here, even if he's not here, we'll, we'll go, I'll take customers. If I'm up here on the floor, we'll go down check out the roaster. If you want to come and roast, come like, it's, it's not even like sign up. It's just like, let us know 
pencil and a time. We'll figure it out. And you just come roast as we do the batch for the order that you would have already put in. And you get to see how everything works. And I always describe it as this meditative process of just listening to the beans in the drum and watching it go through all these stages to the end product and learn a little bit more. And I mean, if you're honestly, you care about coffee, you should start looking into different ways to, um, to brew it. If you want to roast your own, look into that. It's really not that expensive. Um, might not be that economical, but it's definitely worth, it's fun to have that freedom to pick your own bean variety. If there's something you want to see, like go to sweetmarias.com. That's where I got into it. And you can see all the different varieties and their cupping notes, their different regions. Um, that's one thing that I've, I've loved is like, I know I like an Ethiopian dry process. It's got like the sweet blueberry taste usually. Um, but then, you know, if you want something that's more chocolatey or kind of full bodied, you can go with a different bean. You can go their FKT blend or something like the Guatemala bean. Um, if you want something bright, it's the Colombia bean in our case, or, you know, we're going to have some Costa Rica, Costa Rican beans coming in. Uh, if you want something darker roasted, we're probably going to save that for the Sumatra or the Indonesian beans. We got some Bali blue moon coming in. That's going to be, well, it's a little, it's a little fruity, fruity, dark roast. And there's, again, there's all these nuances with the different varieties. Yeah. And, and exactly, you know, as, as it, there are so many, so many steps in coffee. And I think I'm, you know, as a roaster, I'm, just one small step in the entire process and um but it, it's neat because i think that's obviously you know the final process i guess if you're taking away the barista but the final process that it gets into your hands um but you know what what the altitude that it's grown at plays a difference plays a plays a role how it was processed so as andrew was saying earlier you know you have different processing methods <clears throat> which plays plays a role um and so in, in how it tastes but um yeah i think just being the, the roaster is just kind of a, another small step so it's uh it's a lot of fun and i think we'll we'll as we continue to grow as as roasters we'll be able to kind of find baseline roast that we can continuously provide year-round um, i think it's a good side note to to also mention that you know coffee is a harvested it's a it's a commodity but it's also it's a harvested product that farmers you know go through growing cycles every year and so we can't get the same bean all year round um unless the distributor the vendor has a bunch that's kind of in the warehouse that we can kind of have access to but they usually go through it pretty quickly so we we do just naturally end up changing um but I think we will try to work our best, and that's where blends come in really well because we can kind of blend things and keep things at a base that you know you will enjoy drinking year round. But then also really kind of use the single origin beans to highlight certain notes and and kind of show you that, or just kind of help or share <laughs> with you the, the wide variety of of tasting that coffee can 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 uh can bring to you bring to your taste buds so yeah it's fun yeah we can we can nerd out on this on the coffee stuff all day um it's really it really is fun and it's a cool sort of we're like a nano brewery in a way like if you're going to relate it parallel it to something it's like we have a really small roaster so we have the capability of doing 
these small batches with a bunch of different varieties. Whereas if you're like a larger company, you sort of have to do these, these, um, your tried and true blends and single origin at on large scales. You're not going to want to use a large roaster to do small, like we're doing five pound batches more or less, which is fun. It's going to give us a lot of freedom to order beans that intrigue us. They might, they might be home runs. They might flop, but at least we'll know and we'll find a place for them. And then we'll be able to pass that on to the customer, which takes me to the next thing is like, yeah, the roasting is one aspect of it, but then the brewing is another thing. And that's, that's where we're headed is trying to get a coffee bar. It's Pierre's next project is taking it from uh, roaster to table. And that's in the plant. That's in the works. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, there, there are just some, some things we have to, you know, obviously just logistics and figuring out, but I, I would like, you know, ASAP. Full um, control from roast, you know, bean selection yeah. to roast to pour. There's a lot of yeah. variables, but being able to control them all makes a, it's going to make a nice. Definitely. And it's be nice. And it's, it's great. I mean, for those, as I, you know, for those who have come and visited us downstairs or, you know, in the shop and then have come downstairs and, and if you haven't, definitely please, please do. I, I'm always, as you can tell, I, I really like to enjoy talking about coffee. So I would love to talk more. <laughs> but um, it it would be really fun to have this this cafe, this little simple espresso bar upstairs as well. Just I think it would be um, fun to share coffee and you know just it's just another it's another great talking point. Um, and you can not only you know rather than just talk about it with beans. <laughs> But, um, but, uh, you know, also brew it and then kind of be able to also talk about it and, you know, share it that way. So, well, that'll be exciting to see your barista skills at work. That's something I've got very limited knowledge or experience with. I've never been able to make the little fern thing. Oh yeah. The latte art. Yeah. It it just, yeah, it's tricky. I, I don't know where to start. I guess. Yeah. It's, it just, you just have to make hundreds of them a day and then you kind of slowly start to figure it out but i can yeah we could we should do some some coffee brewing courses that would be a lot of fun to get more people in you know once we have the the espresso uh, machine up and running to try and bring people in that's a good point let's like wrap this up with like how can the listeners make better coffee Ooh, another good question um (laughs) it depends i mean I would say, you know, pay attention to your variables, right? So, um, and, and obviously the brew method too, and know kind of the machine that you're working with. Um, but, but don't un- underestimate those variables. So buy a know, scale by, yeah, buy a scale, buy a scale. $15. Yeah. We, yeah. What was the one that you just bought? Yeah, that was it a was like, one. I went online. Has a timer for, in it? I went online looking for scales, coffee scales. Like where are you going to buy those? You pretty much have to buy those online. But there's ones that have a built-in timer, and that's so now you got the really weight. Nice you can dial in the weight. The, your the grinds, time. your your coffee grinds per water ratio, and then you can also hit start. Yeah, and I no, I think, and you know, also we, I think the benefit of being small and being able to pivot and being able to kind of adjust our roast. The other benefit is also our kind of roast to ship and kind of shipping you the freshest possible coffee and i think it's pretty amazing i mean i i just we sold a bag today that i literally roasted 
within the last couple of hours. And it's almost to the point where I tell people, you know, when you bring it home, don't put it in an airtight container right away because it's so fresh. The beans are still breathing. Um, but within a couple of days, you know, definitely start to think, okay, how am I going to store this? Um, I mean, coffee's not going to go bad. The coffee that we're selling you is not going to go bad tomorrow, as I said, but, um, you know, in the next couple of days, definitely keep an eye on it and you know, that pr- try to preserve that freshness because it will it will carry through and it will make make the difference. And then water quality as well is another good thing. Make sure you're using you know filtered, just good good quality water that you would want to drink as well. And then the scale. So I think those are the three variables. And you know, know your brew method and figure out what you like and what taste you're trying to get out of the bean, and then just dial it in from there. But yeah, feel free to shoot Andrew an email and he'll pass it on if you, if you have any questions or reach out to one of us and I'll, I'd love to talk about more about that um, or come and visit. Better yet, come and visit us and um, we, we'll talk We'll talk for a while. So Yeah, Pierre, Pierre's doing most of the roasts now, but that's you know one roast at the beginning of the week, one roast at the end of the week so that if you are here on the weekends, you will get the freshest coffee. We'll probably be roasting on the weekend so swing swing in come by the shop and if you're if you don't live nearby we're happy to ship it's really easy to do we have a subscription program and if you go on the website you'll see all the offerings that we have and sometimes we'll throw you something special never know definitely definitely yeah no we'd love to and if any of you have a good idea on a single group head dual boiler espresso machine for what we should what we should be getting up here yeah if you have one for sale <laughs> or if you have one for sale <laughs> one that you love we'll make it um, we'll make a deal if, yeah something small something simple but something a workhorse you won't want something that's that's good but there there are some really great ones out there so hopefully once that all is dialed it will be really fun to have that that little espresso bar up up here and and uh and we'll do some pour overs as well and yeah it'll be really good so and bring things full circle back to our love for the outdoors. What are you, Pierre, looking forward to this winter? Mm. I guess we still have, we have a couple months of fall left and yeah. six season, but yeah, <laughs> snow is coming. Snow is snow happening is this coming. weekend. I know and it's hard not to, not to think about it. I know. I heard, I saw in the farmer's almanac that it's going to be a snowy cold winter, but they, they do say that quite a bit but i'm gonna say it again and and i think it's important we should yeah we should yeah positive thoughts yeah positive thoughts definitely um but yeah i I mean definitely doing a lot of skiing and being in a place that will enable that and kind of getting to know the people up here and um you know hanging spending more time with with all of you guys here at ski the whites and um i'm no i'm really excited to kind of uh be able to be in coffee and then spend balance that with my time outdoors and being in the mountains. I think it's, um, it's really a a dream really. And something that I've been, uh, trying to kind of achieve in my life for a while. So I'm, I'm super excited. Um, but, but yeah, can't skip over fall. I think there's still, we still have a few good days of trail running and mountain biking and gravel biking and road biking ahead of us, but before the snow, fully starts falling so um, i'll definitely be taking advantage of that and some nice sun and then continue just getting better at coffee roasting and uh kind of yeah learning learning the the trade even more so so well thanks pierre appreciate you coming on talking a little talking shop with the coffee i know it's 
we get in the weeds about it, but it's you can compare it to wine, beer, cigars, hard alcohol. Like you can go, you can really go down, down the the rabbit hole and all this stuff. But rightfully so. There's there's so many cool things to talk about, and I'm looking forward to having Pierre here all winter, and taking really, you know, he's taking the reins on this. Um, but you'll probably also see him in the shop and out on the trails. You know, Definitely. we'll be Nordic skiing and in the backcountry. Um, so it's with really coffee, maybe. <laughs> with coffee. Yeah. Thermos swing, of coffee. That's, that's what I wanted to mention is that you can swing by the shop in the morning, no matter what, bring a cup. We'll have a carafe of, of some good coffee, but hopefully have this espresso bar so you can get it even fresher and in a more controlled, um, brew method, but cool. Well, uh, anything else, Pierre, you want to add? No, I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. It's All right. It's a really enjoyable evening. Good. You, well, so. cheers again. Thank cheers. you, Tuckerman Brewery. And um, yeah, hopefully see a lot of coffee buyers come through in the next few weeks. Wonderful. All right. Thanks.